from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. On this episode of Newt's World... Brian Kilmeade is one of the busiest people in television and radio today. Many of our listeners already know him from watching him every morning on Fox and Friends, where he is co-host, and from his nationally syndicated three-hour radio program on Fox News Radio, The Brian Kilmeade Show. He is the author of six books, five of them New York Times bestsellers, which have sold over two and a half million copies. His most recent book, which just came out in paperback, The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul has a new epilogue. So it's always fun. Brian is a great interview. He's an amazing guy with a remarkable background. Thank you for joining me again on Newt's World. Are you kidding? Thanks, Newt. I appreciate you doing this. We talked about it the first time around, and I just tried to put news into the epilogue because they're trying to take down the statues that were put up that Douglas dedicated. They were in honor of Lincoln, and I can't believe it. It was as if the book was in the news, yet it was about two people that lived and thrived, you know, two centuries ago. Isn't this kind of amazing? I mean, Frederick Douglass, who was one of the great heroic figures of the 19th century, he understood that for whatever Lincoln's weaknesses, and he was open about Lincoln having weaknesses, that in the end, Lincoln was a remarkably historic figure who had profoundly changed America. And I think Douglas would just say to all of these people who want to tear down statues, you know, go get a life. This is, 
a total misunderstanding. But what does your gut tell you? If Frederick Douglass were alive today, what would he be saying to the statue destroyers? It's good to care about our history, but how dare you judge our history this harshly? You have to judge people in the times in which they live. When we go back and you write history books, you are there's nothing you don't know. I believe that you've digested just about every book written. But Newt, you judge people by the time in which they're in, whether it's Columbus, whether it's Lincoln. And there are things that frustrated Frederick Douglass about the life he grew up in. Maybe because, I don't know, he was a slave. He never really knew his mother, had a hunch who his father was, never knew his birthday, but had this thirst for learning and would overcome being a slave to getting basically partial freedom, to escaping once, getting caught. Luckily, he had a second shot and it worked. And he said, I realized I was in New York and I was free. I was also free from a place to eat, a place to sleep, and somebody who knew me. You start from that point and you end up with Frederick Douglass, one of the most famous people in the world, best-selling autobiography seven years after escaping to freedom, who wanted to make our country better. And you're upset because certain things in our country aren't perfect. Man, this guy was in America when it really wasn't perfect. And all he wanted to do was make it better. And he had every opportunity to live a life of luxury elsewhere. And to go ahead and judge America harshly now, tear down statues and decide he's not or she is not worthy to stand on that pedestal, I think you would find it insulting. I should point out, by the way, to our listeners that in addition to everything else you're doing, you're also doing this tour and you're going to be in Branson, Mississippi on November 12th, Tulsa, Oklahoma on November 13th, Newark, New Jersey on December 2nd. And as I understand it, they can buy tickets to these events at Ticketmaster.com. What I try to do, Nude, is I love talking about history. I try to put it all together along with the two sports books and talk about inspiration, motivational, and most importantly, patriotism. I never thought that there would be a book like 1619 that would be successful for a couple or three years. I never thought it would be in the curriculum. I never thought I'd have to say 1776 was the birth time of America as opposed to 1619. So I decided, you know what, let me just do it all on stage. And rather than wait for a speaking opportunity, why don't I just make it? And the last one, December 2nd in Newark, is going to be televised on Fox Nation. You know this, when you go out and talk to people, that's how you find out really what they think about your shows, about the news. So that's when I get a chance to talk to a thousand people about what's going on from their perspective. As much as I have known you, I didn't realize you had 10 years of stand-up experience. Was that like as a comedian? Yeah, I mean, I would do kind of observational humor. I just said, while I'm waiting for that job, why not be better on my feet, be better at memorizing? I always thought I had a sense of humor that needed to be developed and learned the formula and how to do it. And so when I was out in California in particular, I'd go to Ontario, which is right in the Inland Empire, start in Malibu, and in between there'd be all these places to go out and do stand-up. So I took a class, got seven minutes and 14 minutes, and tried to get good on my feet. There's only upside. There was some bad times on stage, but it was only upside. When I was very, very young, I did a little bit of that. If you're trying to do live comedy in front of an audience who hasn't already been pre-trained to believe you're a comedian, that is tough. I mean, you must have had some wild experiences. I did. And the thing is, I would go times when I'm up four times a week. And then the things would get so busy in sports and in news because I was doing a news station and doing all sports radio on the weekends. It would be two or three weeks without doing it. Then I'd go back up. And then you just start making connections. You start talking to people. And along the way, 
I got a job at an old sports station, still able to do it back in New York. And then I got this opportunity when Chet Collier called me, who actually was Roger Ailes' first boss at the Mike Douglas show. And he liked my tape and he wanted to see me. And he said, why don't you come in the next day? And I said, well, I'm already on a channel. He goes, well, no one watches your channel and no one watches our channel either. So you can go on the air and no one will know it. So I hopped on the air and I got, wow, I got to do stand up later. It's going to be a long day. And I did it once. And then they go, can you come in Monday? Can you start filling in Wednesday? And that was 96. And next thing you know, I realized I'm not going to be able to do stand up because you can't just jump in once a month or once every two months. It's like playing basketball, any sport. So if I got to get up at 2.30 in the morning, I can't be up at 11 o'clock at night. So that was it. I don't know how far I could have went, but it kind of stopped then. Were you a co-host at Fox and Friends from the very beginning? No. I started filling in in 96. Gordy Hershiser, Oral Hershiser's brother with the Dodgers. He was the original sports guy. And he was just off the field. And on weekends, they had a three-hour sports show. Can you imagine where Maria is now, 9 to noon? And he didn't want to do it. He's like, I work during the week. And I go, really? To do a three-hour show in this beautiful facility at 48th and 6th? I'd pay you. So I did it. I've already been pounding it out and broadcasting since I was 22, so it's 12 years. So I realized how great this place was. And then after one year, they offered me a contract. And then when the world started going crazy with the Clinton impeachment and Princess Diana dying, the Bosnia War, the election mess, the 9-11. And then afterwards, there was no time for sports, and they allowed me to go full-time news. So I'm forever grateful. That's really amazing, though. But I mean, you must have had some inner passion for expressing yourself in public. I never was against it. I was not arrogant like, look at me. I always liked questioning people like you. Like, for example... I had you on the air for four minutes. I have Jack Keen on the air for five minutes on Fridays. I just want to know enough to ask you questions that are going to benefit the audience. And that was my whole thing. I thought I could communicate effectively, but never arrogant to think I knew everything. So I love being in situations that are unscripted to describe them. I love interviewing people live in front of millions of people as an honor, but it was one of those things where I could do very few things well. I'm an average athlete at best. I'm not good building things. I don't tinker with cars. I don't have a lot of hobbies. My hobby is my job. Like I love communicating, learning about this stuff, opening up my notes in the morning from the night before. So I've always had a thirst to communicate. I love being on stage and I love being in unscripted situations. I'm just trying to understand all this as a historian, but apparently early on, you really liked covering sports. I did, because I like being in the moment of something happening. I covered about 22 Super Bowls, going on the field afterwards, recounting it from the people that made the catches, covering the World Cup, things like that. I also love this. I love covering great athletes who didn't make great money. Like, do you know we have the best lacrosse players in the world here? Do you know that they got to have other jobs? So they'd be coming from Wall Street, going out the field, playing Major League Lacrosse, or the best players in the world to go, go to the best schools, Harvard and Johns Hopkins were the best. UPenn was fantastic. And be able to cover those when the athletes are happy to see you, as opposed to the Yankees who want you to go jump in a lake when you walk into the locker room. I love those moments to be able to get it out there. I love being in the middle of it because I knew I would never be good athletically enough to make it happen, but I would love to report that it happened. I have to ask you, 
Do you find pro football more satisfying or college football? I know you think college because you're in the South. I think pros because the best I had was Rutgers and Syracuse, which was way upstate. So I grew up on Jets and Giants and Fran Tarkington, I know University of Georgia, and Chuck Foreman and Norm Sneed and all the Giants that were very bad when I was growing up. And you grew up on the college game. I know. I mean, the pros are really amazing to watch, although I have to say, as a Green Bay fan, it's been very painful recently. Chris and I own a share of Packer stock we're in, and our daughter and our son-in-law, he's from Sheboygan, they each have a share. The last couple of games have been oh, a little bit tough. <laughs> it's not exactly what we're used to. But anyway, let's move on from the sad state of the Packers to what you see happening out there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hi, this is Newt. We have serious decisions to make about the future of our country. Americans must confront big government socialism, which has taken over the modern Democratic Party, big business, news media, entertainment, and academia. My new best-selling book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future, 
offers strategies and insights for everyday citizens to save America's future and ensure it remains the greatest nation on earth. Here's a special offer for my podcast listeners. You can order an autographed copy of my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, right now at Gingrich360.com book, and we'll ship it directly to you. Don't miss out on this special offer. It's only available for a limited time. Go to Gingrich360.com book to order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com book. You all have done an amazing number of interviews with candidates. And it just seems to me that you've had a real chance to see a lot of people, see how they react, what they sound like, you know, what their body language is. What does your gut tell you about what's going on? I have a couple of things to say. I hope you don't take this personally, but I don't think you need to be a professional politician to be an effective politician. I like the fact that people were successful in other walks of life and go into politics. I thought that was the whole point. You know, you want to do a career in politics, it's great. But that you are a doctor that sort of made his way as a heart surgeon and became such a good communicator that Oprah thinks you deserve a syndicated show, and you, you successfully talk to America for, I guess, 13 years. It's one of the top three syndicated shows. I see him in the morning before he goes and does his show, and I'm talking about Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is shot out of a cannon every day, just wants to communicate. If someone has a fever, it bothers him. He wants to get to the bottom of it. And this guy owns 12 houses. Guess what? He earned them. Do you think that people become heart surgeons to be rich? So do you think that people go on syndicated shows? That's work. And if you're not good, every day you get graded, you're out. Doesn't care what Oprah wants, right? Dr. Phil, the same way. So he's already established himself and says, okay, Now I want to spend millions of my dollars to help rescue a country that I think is in trouble. Why is that bad? I watch these experts. I watch every Sunday show, tape them all. I watch it. They're like, well, Dr. Oz doesn't know what he's doing. He's not likable. He's not likable. He's already went to the masses, mostly minority audience in the middle of the day. And he's already popular. What is wrong with that? And the same thing with Herschel. He's a running back. Yeah. And then he became, then he did bobsled. Yeah. And then he did UFC. Okay. And then along the way, he started a business. I've talked to people in that business. He owns these properties, and these people are able to get franchises from him. He's able to keep multiple balls in the air. While I think being just an outstanding individual speaking to colleges, to military, as well as police. And then I see Carrie Lake, somebody else who's a broadcaster, and people say weak candidates. Just because they don't have 20 years experience in the House doesn't mean they're weak. I think the biggest story is Carrie. I can't believe how talented she is. She goes into the most hostile territory and just destroys people. She's come on this channel very aggressively, too, with people didn't like her. And I think she's going to be a superstar. I think Herschel's coming into his own. I think it would have been better to be transparent early about whatever it is. And I think Dr. Oz, if he gets in, and I think he will, is going to be a fantastic senator and Fetterman couldn't be less qualified. You got to be kidding me. Since when does this guy represent Pennsylvania? Is that nuts? Adam Laxalt's going to come on this Saturday. Mastriano, I like. I know he's got some fringe ideas. They have Don Bolduck within striking distance. So I find it really interesting. I mean, on the other side, the biggest disappointment as a politician is Mark Kelly. I said to myself, this guy's going to be here for 20 years. Astronaut, military guy is going to be moderate. I thought he'd be considered. 
Biggest disappointment. The guy doesn't do anything. He can't broadcast. He can't convey his ideas. And now he's trying to run from President Biden. And people go, I don't really like a lot of what he did. Really? What did you do? A couple of comments for whatever it's worth. The first time I sat down with Herschel to talk about running, we're chatting and he turns to me, he goes, you know, he says, I'm really not a football player. And I said, what? He said, no. He said, I'm a competitor. He said, I happen to compete in football. He said, I was also All-American track. I also, as you point out, was in the Winter Olympics and I think set the record for launching bobsleds or something. And then he said, I spent six months studying mixed martial arts, which was really hard, and ended up being sort of a world-class martial arts fighter. He said, I just like to compete. And I think people who tuned in, as Clist and I did, and watched the debate the other night, I think Warnock learned what it was like to be up against a real competitor. I mean, you know, it's clear that Herschel had practiced and practiced and practiced, knew what he was going to do, and just did it. And the polls I've seen indicate he won the debate, which people had assumed could have knocked him out of the race because they just couldn't imagine an organized, articulate Herschel Walker. And that's what they got. Yeah, a couple of things. You notice his post rate went down when most people like me would have went up. You know, what is at stake? Everyone's watching me. If I blow this, I blow in everything. Instead, his pulse rate drops, just like every great athlete. You know, we watch, you know, who'd want the ball with the bases loaded as 3-2 in the bottom of the ninth? Who wants to take a penalty kick in front of 30 million people? They do. Those athletes. And you had to tell me that standing up next to Raphael Warnock was more intimidating than doing everything that he's done with the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Giants, the University of Georgia, the Generals on down, as well as competing in the Olympics. So going into the octagon, Going to the octagon with a man that's been trained to knock your head off, as opposed to a reverend that doesn't know how he got the job, I'm pretty sure that he stepped up to the moment. Well, and you could tell that night because Warnock got weaker and weaker. And at the very end, people may not realize this, but Herschel went into the press room cheerfully. Warnock left. He didn't talk to the press at all. I mean, he was so shaken, he just left. You know, you mentioned, Dr. Oz, I was up last week with Hannity. And we did an event in York with about six or 800 people. It was really a good event. I've known Oz. I used to have the Center for Health Transformation over 20 years ago. And he and I worked on health issues together. The thing that strikes me about him is nobody is going to outwork him. He has been out there crisscrossing the state, going to every small town, going to every county. And he's up against a guy who is both nuts in terms of the issues, a guy who voted to release 25 different murderers when everybody else on the parole board was against it. But also, Fetterman, because of his health situation, he just can't do what Oz is doing. And I think the sheer energy Oz is bringing to that, plus the number of people who watched him with Oprah for years and have this sense that, you know, he must be a pretty good guy for her to have been that close to him. And I think that he's going to win. I was born in Harrisburg and have relatives in the area. And one of them said to me the other day, they said, you know, Fetterman tried to make a big deal about whether or not Oz was from New Jersey. So let me tell you, Fetterman is a lot more scary than New Jersey. <laughs> I know, exactly. That's kind of wild. And since when can't you move? Yeah. I'm curious because you have a whole series of history books. I have to tell you, by the way, that Rebecca, who works with us, is a Texan. And she says everybody in her family has read Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. 
every single one of them. Now, I can tell you, she's sitting across from me right now while we're talking, that she is a genuine Texican. And so that must be one heck of a commitment to Texas patriotism to have the kind of intensity she had. But you've written on Andrew Jackson, you've written on Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, now Lincoln. What comes next? I'm working on it now. I have a working title of Teddy and Booker T. The way they teamed up together to race America towards racial harmony. And with it, what Booker T. Washington was able to do, again, just like Douglas born a slave, I was able to overcome it all. When his parents told him, we need your money, you can't go get educated. He ends up getting a college education when it tends to get him there and then becomes the great pupil, a great professor. And when they need somebody to open up a university in Alabama, Tuskegee, they send Booker T. Washington and he's honored until he gets there and he realizes it's one room and there's no place for him to stay and really not much of a budget to pay him. And he ends up forming Tuskegee University, how he did it. And all he thought about was bringing more people more educated African-Americans to America, but also, as Mike Rowe would love, teach them a trade. You can't just have an intellect. You have to be able to make stuff and be valuable. As soon as white America understands the value of black America, the quicker we're going to heal racial disparities. And he did it. There might be a racist who meets him in the morning and two great guys that meet him in the afternoon. He's going to focus on the two great guys. And Teddy Roosevelt, people think he was born with opulence and a lot of advances. Well, you know, he had a brutal upbringing where sickly, a lot of people didn't think he was going to survive. And he had a Southern mom who had relatives that fought for the Confederacy and a Northern dad that always felt guilty, didn't fight for the Union. And then you see how these two worlds collide and the respect that TR had for Booker T and how when he was vice president, they met. But when he became president, he leaned on him for expertise on the South to help him actually win election, even though he got three and a half years on his own. He won election by himself and made Booker T. Washington a power play and famously provided him to the White House, which caused a great scandal at the time. So I just thought separately and together, they moved America forward. You personally are creating a counterpoint to all of the left-wing anti-American lies. I mean, as I watch these books evolve, it's amazing. Using their words, Newt. I try to use their words. I try to use their words. I start with his biography, Up From Slavery. If anybody has, for you, it'll take 45 minutes. It took me like a couple of train rides. I read Booker T. Washington's Up From Slavery. He tells you what it's like being 12 years old, being called to the main house, seeing Union soldiers walk in and say you're free, and the celebration starts. And then they come back to the house and they go, can I stay here? I have nowhere to go. He says, I felt bad for the white people as happy as I did for the black people because white people didn't know how to do anything. Black people did it all. And instead of me reading an account from an author that might have an agenda, I'm reading Booker T. Washington's thoughts, who has established himself as Tuskegee and making himself in America that he knew. And he loved the country. So nothing but potential. So glad he was born here. You could not get this guy down. He was going to make it happen. He was going to have a president speak at his commencement address at Tuskegee. That was his goal. And he got McKinley to do just that. And he won over the town. You know, it was just so interesting. I'll give you an example. You talk about the power of positive thinking today. Hey, if things are going bad, you change your mind around, you focus on what's good. This guy wrote the book on that. And here he is, a slave, every reason to hate America, seeing the separation and segregation that took place. And he says, you know what? During the day, our kids go to school and at night they build the school. 
The other kids go at school at night. During the day, they build the school. We'd be great if we made our own bricks. We could save some money. So they decide to buy a kiln and make their own bricks. They end up with the best bricks around. You know what he does? He leaves them in the middle of the town and says, donated by Tuskegee. And then he leaves a wagon in the middle of town to transport, donated by Tuskegee. So he didn't go in and say, please accept me. Forget about racial disparity. He said, we will win you over by our actions. And that's what began when people began to realize, why do I think this way? Why do I think blacks and whites are unequal? Who told me that? Not the ones I met. And that's how he began to change minds. And he never spoke differently in front of a white audience than a black audience. And everybody appreciated that. And there was a certain guilt that people felt coming right off the heels of slavery. And to have a black man successful, dressed to the nines, go up there and not hate you was a relief to white people. They only wanted to make people want to make the country better and heal the divide. And I think there's so much to learn from that. In my opinion, though, Newt, there's nothing that people gain from that. The activists of today saying Booker T. Washington showed us the way, let's continue. They don't make money that way. Overcoming bias and prejudice, you don't make money that way. I think that you make money by saying that America is fundamentally racist. Give me a hundred bucks. That's the only way to equal things out. And in my personal opinion, Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington have messages, both Republicans have messages that they don't want to hear. The general public doesn't want to accept. But I do feel better about it today than I did two years ago. I think we've turned a corner. You know, we did this once before in the late 60s and early 70s when we had a huge upsurge of anti-American feeling, had 2,500 bombings in a two-year period, had a million people outside the Pentagon. The Black Panthers openly waged war on the police and ambushed and killed at least 13 policemen. And then the country kind of shook itself and said, well, that's crazy. We really had a very profound shift back towards a more traditional America. I'm writing a paper right now on the two wings of the Democratic Party, the weird wing and the insane wing, because I think they've gone so overboard that the average normal everyday American, whatever their background, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, or just don't care about politics, they look at it and it's not political. It's almost like it's a mental health problem. I think it's really fascinating. And I think part of what I like, Brian, about, first of all, about your own personal attitude, which is always upbeat, always positive. I've done a couple hundred interviews with you over the years. And you're always energetic. You're always coming forward. And it's fun. And these books have that same spirit. I mean, these are books from somebody who loves America, loves history, and has really gone out of your way to find the unique angle to tell a story that makes it intriguing and powerful. And I really commend you. It's remarkable. Thanks. I mean, this is what I would love doing. If I owned a deli, I would spend my free time talking about politics and reading about history. The fact that I can do it for a living, I don't need a hobby. So to me, it's fun. I mean, when I read Up From Slavery, I was bothering everybody in my family. I go, do you read this line? This guy four years ago was a slave. All he sees is opportunity in America. These guys overcome it. I know a lot of great people didn't, but I also think there's a reason why people last through time. Not that they're perfect, but they do extraordinary things in their time. I never thought history would be news. In the afterward, in this book, I talk about the freedom statue dedicated by Frederick Douglass in the name of Abraham Lincoln. Ten years after his death, they're taking it down. They're trying to take it down in Washington, and they took it down in Massachusetts. 
And even though Douglas didn't love the design, you know who paid for it? Emancipated slaves. You know what they did? They commissioned a designer, Thomas Ball. So if you had a problem, go back to 1860, find those emancipated slaves, yell at the Italian designer, and then get mad at Frederick Douglass for dedicating the statue. How dare you take it down because you believe that America's a racist? But that's what I put in the afterword. And then they took Frederick Douglass's statue out in Rochester, and they leaned it against the fence. I had called up the cops. I go, guys, is there an end to this story? And they go, no, we don't know who did it. But they put it back, and they fixed it, and they put a guard by it. I mean, you should put an extra Frederick Douglass statue out if you want to support Black Lives Matter. I was going to say, it's a little sick to take a statue of Frederick Douglass, and you had to wonder, other than drugs, exactly what was going on with the people who were doing that. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. ask you something about current events. You actually ride the subway, right? Yes. So what do people say to you? I get the sense that, you know, as a non-New Yorker, the stories we've been seeing recently about people getting pushed into the subway, people getting knifed on the subway. I mean, has it really gotten that much worse? Well, put it this way. I go one or two stops to Penn Station. I go home because if you've been to New York, you know, if you went to Sean Hannity's house, if he ever says to you, drive in from the city and it's four o'clock in the afternoon, that should be a half hour ride, it would be two and a half. So I know if I hop on a train, I get reading done. I know exactly when I'm getting home. I leave my car there in the morning. They're kind enough to send a car. So I got hassled one time on the subway and 
I didn't want to make it a viral moment, so I just ignored people. They followed me through three stops and two trains, and they taped the whole thing. And I kind of regret not making an incident of it, but besides that, I don't have a problem. I see some homelessness and mental deranges. I haven't been personally confronted, but I'd say it's 40% worse. I would say on 42nd Street, sometimes if you're trying to get to a train, you jump in on 42nd right by the Hard Rock, and you go one stop to 34th. That's a little bit of a crazy, a lot of stuff has happened down there. The thing that strikes me is I never see cops. I used to see cops all the time. I never see them now. They basically say without qualified immunity, which has been to a degree taken away, I'm done. And if I'm going to arrest this crazy guy down there and you're going to put him back out before I can finish the paperwork, why am I risking my life? So that's the combination of things that happen. So it is, I say, 40% worse. I was going to say, the great irony is that Bill Bratton first broke through with his ideas when he took over the New York subway police. He came down from Boston. I think there were about 4,000 subway police, and they cleaned up the subways. And amazingly, he went back up to Boston. And when Giuliani won, he interviewed three people. Bratton was the third. And he said to each guy, so if you get to be the commissioner how much can you reduce crime? And the first two gave him the standard liberal answer. Well, it's really complicated. We really don't know. And he got to Braden. Braden said 10% the first year. <laughs> he said, you're hired. And then, as you know, because you live there, it was astonishing to me at its peak between Giuliani and Bloomberg, who continued the same policies. The city became so safe. I had no problem after going to a Broadway show, walking to a local restaurant at 11, 12 o'clock at night, right through Times Square, an area which had been almost uninhabitable under Mayor Dinkins. And now we have decayed back into a pre-Giuliani jungle. I mean, it is absurd. It is. I would think that things got to get really bad before they get worse. And I hear there's 2,200 transit cops now instead of 4,000. That's what Ray Kelly said yesterday on the John Castamatidis podcast. He said, you got to revisit that number. You got to have to get more guys in there. Go back to stop and frisk, and you know zero tolerance. And you got to go back to bail. You got this whole idea. It's like the 1970s and what made the Clint Eastwood movies work. If you go back and you watch the original Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movies, they're describing a world in San Francisco where you had left-wing judges who put people back on the street faster than you could fill out the paperwork. And what it led to was an attitude of almost vigilantism. If you remember, I mean. Eastwood made his career playing a very tough cop. I think people get tired of being afraid. Oh, absolutely. You don't want to be a victim. It hits your self-esteem. Charles Bronson, too. Remember, he was that great figure. The same dude, stick it up for yourself. But I'll give you an example. You know, in fact, one of our reporters is doing the story tonight, and Zeldin's going to have a big debate on Tuesday, and he's leading with crime. But it's not manufactured. He was leading with crime before crime was real. Looked at it as a top five issue for New Yorkers. Now it's one. And she's still talking about abortion. And she had a press conference on Saturday saying we're going to have a new all-hands-on-deck approach to fighting crime. Really? You mean 15 days before an election that you totally ignored and took for granted? Now you're going to do it, so they're going to debate on Tuesday. My point with Zeldin believes that, to a degree, Adams wants to work with him. That he's frustrated. He got humiliated when he went up to Albany. He said, get rid of no cash bail. And they laughed at him. Not only did they say no, but they mocked him. And evidently, really not a great thing to do to anybody, especially in your own party. But he knows that Zeldin would be a partner. 
And Newt, you might have trouble being mayor here. There's not many Republicans around, but I think our effective conservative knows the landscape and would have to cut deals, but work with people in order to get stuff done. For example, it looks like you know better than me, but Schwarzenegger went in like a conservative and got nothing done and realized he couldn't move anything. And then he went way to the left and disappointed all sides. So I think Zeldin's going to get in. And if he gets in, I don't think he has any problem working with Democrats. Giuliani had the same experience, and so did Pataki. I mean, if you're going to try to change New York, that city council is going to remain Democrat in the short run. You may may get a few more Republicans, but you're not going to take control. It's amazing to me. I mean, the first question to the governor should have been, if you have a new plan, does that start with firing the district attorney who refuses to lock up criminals? And she won't do it. We could go on for a long time because you are so much fun and you know so much. And, and uh, I really like chatting with you. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to encourage our listeners to pick up a copy of your book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and Their Battle to Save America's Soul, now out in paperback. And if you live anywhere near Branson, Tulsa, or Newark, I hope they'll come out and see you on your tour. And I want to thank you for joining me on Newt's World. All right. Thank you, Newt. It's been an honor. Go get him. Thank you to my guest, Brian Kilmeade. You can get a link to buy his book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.